explain the various requirements for treating stock as capital transactions. While distributions in redemption of stock are generally taxed as dividends, Section 302 and 303 of the Code contain important exceptions to the general rule we discussed. If the circumstances of the redemption qualify under one of these exceptions, the redemption will be treated as a capital transaction, just as if the redemption were actually a sale or exchange of the stock to a third party. Let's examine Section 302. Under this section, three categories of redemptions can receive capital transaction treatment rather than dividend distribution treatment. If a redemption falls into any of these categories, the distribution will be treated as paid in exchange for the stock rather than as a dividend. The categories of redemptions are redemptions not essentially equivalent to a dividend, substantially disproportionate redemptions, and complete redemptions. Under the first category, the redemption is not treated as a dividend if it is not essentially equivalent to a dividend. This broad provision is seldom relied upon for tax planning purposes. Under the second category, the redemption receives favorable tax treatment if it is substantially disproportionate. A redemption is substantially disproportionate if the shareholder's percentage of ownership of stock after the redemption is substantially different from his or her percentage of ownership before the redemption. The effect of such a redemption would be for the shareholder to lose a meaningful portion of his or her share of corporate control, future profits, the right to corporate assets upon liquidation. Because the substantially disproportionate rule is mathematical, it is possible to determine whether a given redemption will qualify. There are three specific tests that a redemption must satisfy to qualify as substantially disproportionate. First, after the redemption, the shareholder must own less than 50% of the voting power of all classes of stock entitled to vote. Second, the shareholder's proportionate ownership of voting stock owned after the redemption must be less than 80% of his ownership before the redemption. And the third and final requirement of this provision is that the shareholder's proportionate ownership of common stock after the redemption must be at least less than 80% of his or her proportionate ownership of stock before redemption. Only if all three of these requirements are met will the redemption be considered substantially disproportionate. Under the third category, the complete termination of interest, a redemption will not be considered a dividend and will be taxed as a capital transaction if all the corporate stock owned by the shareholder is given up in the redemption. While it would seem that the safest way to have a redemption qualify as a sale or exchange would be to have the corporation redeem all of the stock owned by a shareholder, keep in mind that all the stock owned by the shareholder includes that actually and constructively owned. For example, if a corporation redeems all 100 shares of its stock owned by shareholder Jones, it's obvious there's been a complete termination of his interest, much the same as if he had sold the stock to an outsider. However, if Mr. Jones has an indirect interest in the corporation through stock owned by a close relative or any entity he controls, his interest has not been completely terminated. Thus, stock deemed to be owned constructively by the shareholder 
as well as stock actually owned, must be considered in determining whether the requirements of complete termination have been satisfied. This principle also applies to redemptions under the substantially disproportionate rules we've just discussed. A redemption intended to result in a capital transaction can easily be treated as a dividend because of these constructive ownership rules. Therefore, it's vitally important to understand how these attribution of ownership rules operate.